Welcome to, to another what? Put your lips together and blow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that, was... that works. <laughs> so. This week's episode of Whiskey and Mash. I am Chris Pullman. And I'm Gloria Ackerman. With <laughs> your put your lips together and blow. There you comment. go. That's staying in. Um, <laughs> this week we will be talking about season 10. Uh, depending on how you number these, uh, I'm going to call it episode 5, Give Them a Hell Hawkeye, and 6, Wheelers and Dealers. On disc, they're, they're 4 and 5, but I'm going to... I'm going to call them five and six. Because the first one wasn't that we're episodes, so we yeah. counted that as one and two. Yeah. So, give them hell, Hawkeye. Hawkeye finds, well, there's truce talks going on, and it's the first anniversary of the truce talks. So, Hawkeye decides to write a Truman a letter. And he starts out and just starts telling him the way it is. Mm-hmm. And this is basically, he thought he was finished with his letter, and then this something happened and then he thought he was finished with his letter and something else happened and it ended up being a very long letter um there was one gentleman that came in and said they had to beautify camp so um margaret and Klinger were put in charge of beautifying the camp in order to get a hot water heater um father mulcahy was put in charge of the vd problem see what happens with that I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting mm-hmm. um, Kim, Kim Hung um, was a young gentleman that would help with um, finding trees or bushes or anything you mm. need you say you need it Kim Hung can find it but he was only like I would say 12 11 or 12 just a young kid mm-hmm. um, let's see that I mean I just thought so much went on um, Captain Brush a Turkish army soldier came in and accused mm. a soldier of shooting himself in the foot and as he was fighting because he wanted to kill him, he shot himself in the foot. Which yeah. which one of them is really at fault? Mm. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, Margaret, Margaret and the beautification that she had a great idea of making a bed to, uh, pan fountain. <laughs> and yeah. we'll see what happens with that. So that's kind of the gist of what happened this time a lot i thought yeah i thought so much went on during this episode but mm-hmm. just a lot to talk about yeah yeah so this is another one of those episodes where we get um clips of movie tone news playing and uh to begin yeah and a lot of the clips are of well i think they're well, no, Truth Talks. Truth Talks. The only other clip that we see, I think, is of uh, Air Force Lieutenant Whoever as he skis with his partner. <laughs> I don't know why we got that clip in here, but the the rest were all of Truth Talks, like at Pemunjan. Um, they built a building for Truth Talks. Yeah, which shows that the Reds are truly committed to these <laughs> talks. Doesn't show anything. No, no, it really doesn't. You know, one one uh, incendiary bomb and that's gone. But um, so we we get a nice interspersal of movie tone news, which I always like because I these do too. they they seemed authentic. I think that they were. 
Yeah, and especially when they're authentic. I yeah. like to see them because I really like the history of mm. whatever is going on. Yeah, you know, MASH isn't always um, known for authenticity, but <laughs> when it when it can bring that to the show, I really enjoy seeing it. Um, yeah, Colonel Ditka from i -Corps. I think he was from i -Corps. That was, seriously, beautification project in camp. <laughs> We want, you know, we want to leave Korea better than we found it. And when the dignitary come, they're thinking everything looks pretty drab. Yeah. We need to brighten it up. Yeah. You, you might not recognize it, Colonel, but uh, because you live here. But um, <laughs> if a dignitary uh, come in, uh, this place looks uh, an absolute shambles. It's a mass unit. <laughs> and it was cool when he asked them, what do you really need? And they mentioned a couple of things. They mm -hmm. needed some boards, so then they, when they run across camp mm. to get to the people, they actually don't fall in the mud. And you know, that's such a minor thing. We, yeah. we, we take stuff for granted. Mm -hmm. We have sidewalks. We have <laughs> sidewalks, we have concrete everywhere. Mm. And just wondering, well, I guess if they were a war nowadays, they use Scud missiles and don't use people as much, <laughs> but... Well, we just use military contractors, and then we don't worry about them. No, um, that's true. But, no, it, it was interesting, you know, they came up with a whole water heater. That would be great. Which I think, you know, after Margaret having... Margaret came up with that. Though. Yeah, yeah. And it makes sense, because her nurses would be the ones, like sanitizing equipment and getting hot compresses and all of this you i know? just wonder realistically like margaret comes up with ideas and people actually listen yeah. and i just wonder realistically if in that time that would have happened because i'm sorry women were looked at as second-class citizens and when yeah. we came up with an idea um i find that sometimes true nowadays yep. and we're way way past that mm -hmm. but i just wonder like MASH really does give women their voice, uh, which I don't know if they had a you know, voice like they do in MASH. Thank God uh, MASH looks like what they do. I, I would say um, that it would be up to the CO to set that bar. You and know? Potter is pretty cool. Yeah, so I mean, if Potter... If we assume that Potter is the type who would look at rank and not gender then yes, I think Margaret would have had that voice. But. There weren't very many men like that back in those no. days. And we do see, at least in one episode coming up here, where Margaret is trying to give a medical opinion and give a treatment idea, and all the doctors are just completely ignoring her and talking over her, and then she walks outside and kicks over a, a oh, pile yeah, of... Yeah. You remember that one? Yes, I yeah. do. I don't. I know it's still coming up and because I we haven't seen it. And I think that more and more of that is true than what we see. We see more the '70s version of how women are treated than we do the '50s version of when t women were treated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad to see that. Like, is it this episode with BJ? No, it's the next one. We'll talk it's about next, next one. one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, I I just. I just don't know if they would listen. But like you said, Potter may have been that type mm -hmm. that says rank is more important than gender. Yeah, it really comes and down I think to the he seal. Would be. Yeah, no, me too. He seems like it at least. Yes. And so 
maybe but as that was happening I'm like I've been to places where they don't want to hear women's opinions mm-hmm and you know maybe to um Again, the fact that she was in charge of the nursing staff and the nursing staff took care of all that, maybe that would weigh her opinion more, but... Because the water heater then was very well receptive, but I think it would help everyone, too. Yeah, yeah. Because Hawkeye said reasons that he would want it, Mm -hmm. and everyone had reasons to want it. Oh, yeah. But um, I thought that it was uh, interesting. After we played the, the mashed RPG... To get a little history of the Korean War, the timeline of it, because it had a very detailed timeline in that game manual. Um, to look at this, this is, in theory, this should be in the latter part of the war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it likely wasn't, because again, like when BJ comes in, that just messes up the actual war timeline in the Mash mm-hmm. Mashiverse. Um, Mashiverse. Mm. But, also, when Winchester came in too, and yeah, Potter, they were they yeah, all, all three came of those at different times that were the same times. Mm-hmm. And you know, you you know, if we really wanted to reconstruct where we are in time, I think three episodes would conflict here. One, um, the armistice that we see in the first couple seasons, where uh, Trapper was really celebrating it, and Hawkeye's pessimistic about it. I think that's how it happened. And then it clearly falls apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get the episode, I think last season, where they skipped, you know, 1951 to 52 and yeah. 52 to 53. <laughs> they were doing the episode where... It's yeah, like a year in review, basically. Yeah. And then we get this one where it's the first anniversary of the peace talks, which I assume would put us somewhere squarely in like 1952, I assume. So between all of those, I'm pretty sure that the timeline is well and truly messed up. But anyway, um, I I think that this puts us in the latter year of the war. And what's interesting to me is we've had the episode where they got a cement floor in OR. (laughs) Which is not mobile. You can't move it. You can't, you know, like Potter says, anything you can't fold up and put in a truck. You can't call mobile. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then I doubt that a larger water heater would be that mobile either. Right. So, to me, this but is... more mobile than a floor. <laughs> yes. No, yeah, you drain it and then... But, you know, to me, this is just another, another, um, pin in the timeline where it's like, yes, we are in the latter part of the war because we have all these things that you cannot just fold up <laughs> and throw into a truck. Um... But that, that was just one of my thoughts watching this is a, a larger water heater would be less mobile and therefore I assume that this is the part of the war where they were mostly stationary. You know? Then Father Mulcahy was put in charge of VD. Oh he got a God. letter and he's like, I don't think I should be in charge of this. This is not my, this is a medical issue, not a spiritual. And mm-hmm. and then Winchester kind of begged to differ. No, you know, these if, women don't if, if, yeah. if you choose to have that lifestyle, you choose to have disease. So Potter put Winchester in charge of inoculating all the um, working women. Yes. Do you want to call them? Let's call them working women. Let's call them working women. Yes. You know, because I hate to one second blow my horn and say, 
you know, women deserve this right, and then the next minute talk about the women who are give, selling their bodies for, mm. you know, Not a lot to else live. to do on near the front. Yeah, yeah. So, um, that was interesting. What does your mother think of this? Here's my mother. Ask her. <laughs> Hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. Five bucks. Take your clothes off behind the thing so I can... Five bucks. Oh. Which five bucks is a lot of money back then. Yeah. You know? Wow. She must be good. <laughs> or it was just really close to the line. Five bucks, Joe. <laughs> and like the guy who would get a, a... What was it? A gallon of booze in the rear echelon and then sell a fifth at the line for 20 bucks it's a supply and demand thing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know i did love it while uh, winchester is doing all that you know he was saying to potter i doubt the effectiveness of this if we don't get everyone and somebody hires them while we're in here and potter's like i took care of this already i put a chaperone at the end of the line <laughs> it was hot <laughs> of all people to make chaperones yeah no he's just i mean granted i don't think i think his his preferred shall we say game is nurses oh that's true you don't really see him going out to the yeah he doesn't right. he doesn't try and In go fact, after the working the shocking girls. part is the only doctor i've seen do that was winchester yeah no i, I was thinking that same thing yeah you know? i don't think he ever actually did anything with the working girls no he thought that he could liza minnelli her yeah or i mean um no i you know culture her up right exactly yeah. I'm going to learn you into a higher class. class of, and mm -hmm. I'm going to make you to, into what I need and want at Please, this point. Please, Sung Hee, that is not how you eat with a fork. No, Joe, this is how I eat no. with fork. <laughs> that how you eat with fork. <laughs> she was not the one to turn into your... High class. High class broad. friend. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah. Besides that, the other great... Um, plot that I thought was Kim Hung mm. and he wanted to be an American so badly just that young kid that helped beautify the um, camp he brought in the bushes that they needed anything mm -hmm. that Klinger or Margaret needed in fact he thought Margaret was hot <laughs> hey there hot tomato <laughs> you know he knew who to butter up to <laughs> You have a very interesting vocabulary, Kin Han. Where did you learn it? <laughs> I Ooh, learned from GI magazines. <laughs> Read all of them. Hubba Hubba. America, number one. <laughs> he loved America so much that he took all the earnings that he made and he approached BJ to get his eyes fixed. He wanted his eyes to be American eyes. You round eyes get all the ladies. And it was really kind of sad. Mm -hmm. And I love how BJ fixed that problem. He mm -hmm. he just kind of said to him, no, I won't do it. You're a good-looking guy the way you are. I refuse yeah. to do it. But then secretly went to Margaret, who he knew this little kid had a crush on. Mm -hmm. And Margaret went over to him and talked about how handsome he was and wonderful he was. And then went back to BJ and kind of nudged him like, yeah. taken care of. He's going to stay. 
Yeah. And he decided to keep his eyes that he has. Yeah. Can you do that? Like, is surgery where you yeah. can change the whole look of an eye? Mm-hmm. How um, freaky. I actually think Julie Chen. She did something. She said it on one of her shows. She mm -hmm. did something to cut it a little bit so it wasn't as... Yeah, there you that's go. That's true. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, a couple other little bits in here. Did you mention uh, the kid in post-op who was blind from moonshine? No, no, yeah. and that was interesting. That was an aside. It wasn't even like a, a subplot. Um, and they didn't know if he was going to get better or not, it didn't yeah. sound like. Yeah, you know, he was just, he couldn't see. And, uh, you know, Potter was attending to him and then... Clinger, who was helping him post-op, went over and talked to Hawkeye and said, I thought that uh, if you bought the good stuff, that wouldn't happen. And Hawkeye said, well, the locals, what they do is they drill a hole in the bottom. So this kid of, thought he bought the good stuff. Yeah. They drill a hole in the bottom of the high-end bottles, drain out the stuff, sell that, fill up the bottle with moonshine, and then plug the hole with wax. And, and uh, then he drank the bad stuff, which actually caused him to become blind. That bad. Yeah, which is why, even to this day, when I go to the store and I see something that's labeled as moonshine, which clearly is not moonshine moonshine, I'm just very sketchy about getting moonshine gin. <laughs> There's, You can buy it in mason jars at festivals. You can? Yeah, it's oh my moonshine gosh. gin. I'm like, I don't know about that. And I'm not drinking it. <laughs> But um yeah so then I like Klinger, my Jameson right yeah, now. you got yeah. me hooked. Well it's a it's a high end whiskey. Um but yeah, Klinger goes to his footlocker, uh Ben asked well timed. I thought Klinger wore dresses and then oh, here's yeah. Klinger digging in his footlocker, pulls out a brazier, <laughs> some uh pantaloons. Oh, never mind. <laughs> and uh, then he pulls out this bottle turns it upside down and you can clearly see the plug in the bottom oh my gosh and so then Klinger like takes it outside and you don't see it but you hear the as he just busts the bottle so yeah, Klinger almost got you caught with that think of yeah you know it's just silly stuff like that you think if you're buying high end you're paying for high end that's what you're getting yeah. but not always nope nope but all the work they did to beautify the place, hmm. they made the most beautiful fountain that you've ever seen of bedpans <laughs> um, and water, water hot water was, bottles. Yeah, it was a fountain, a bedpan yeah. fountain. Oh. And th so that um, Captain Burr, no, Colonel, was the Turk, Colonel Turkish Ditka. one. Colonel oh. Ditka yeah. was, um, came back and said, Sure, throw stuff at me. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's not what the colonel said. That's what I did. Yeah. It's under it, it's under something. That's okay. My mom got me thinking putty, and for some reason I decided to open it on the podcast. Anyway, yeah, continuing. Colonel Didka said that they needed to beautify the place in order to get don't know where it is. Yeah. The um the water heater. Mm -hmm. So they did this beautiful job, like I said, with the help of Kim Hung. Yeah, Kim Hung. And um, they were looking at it. Oh, I was going right to the end, but I think you had something else you wanted to say about Captain Brosh. The you? Turkish captain? Yeah, did we talk about Captain Brosh? Uh, no, but I mean, he came in, 
thought, uh, his, the interesting part is his soldier was saying how good of a job, um, I think it was Hawkeye did removing the shrapnel from his leg, and Hawkeye's just like, oh, that, you know, that's not a problem. I go back to front now? No, not until your foot doesn't sound like a maraca anymore. And, um, then his captain comes in and is trying to shoot him. Yeah. For being so a coward. Kill him for, because for, he thought he shot himself, but. Yeah, and Hawkeye was saying, no, he didn't. I can tell by the, uh, the. Angle of angle the, of the shot wound. That he did not shoot himself. Yeah, and the captain is just super convinced. No, he is less than dog. He's trying to shoot him and they. They Hawkeye. wrestled him down. They got outside and you heard a shot. And you're yeah. like, my first shot thought was, oh my gosh, who did yeah. shoot? And then well, they bring him. They bring the captain back in and Hawkeye's like, see, there? That's, that's a self-inflicting wound. <laughs> he shot himself. Yeah. And it looked like it was painful. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure it would have been. <laughs> that's got to go through, through some uh, tendons and muscle and bone and... So to end this, we mm -hmm. ha we see the beautiful camp that they made with the wonderful bedpan fountain and the um, they approved it and said, okay, you're getting your water heater and guess what? An ambulance comes into town at night, at you know, bringing in more wounded and ran into the fountain. <laughs> yeah, definitely wasn't on a soundstage. Just want it was definitely not on a sounds soundstage that that got hit and run over on it was definitely out in the field um so that was interesting yeah you know just i don't see any like really fun facts there's one in here but otherwise like just a couple of things that happened it was interesting when uh clinger was in charge of the beautification detail and they're all oh yeah no one would listen to him yeah so he goes oh really you won't work huh oh major oh major <laughs> they won't work and she just like cocks her hips puts her hands on her hips and gets this little wry smile there's a second of silence oh really everyone got up immediately <laughs> next time i won't be so easy on you <laughs> oh my goodness um so that was interesting but then uh bj's patient who we also don't hear anything like, I don't know if we even see him, but BJ just says, yeah, my kid isn't doing so well. He has a belly full of shrapnel. His unit, while taking a hill, sustained 30% casualties. Then, during the counteroffensive, they lost the hill. They sustained 40% casualties. Nice. They're, they're going to try and retake the hill tomorrow. And I think that he was sending the kid back up, and he wasn't sure whether he was doing him a favor or not. But that was that was crazy. Um, I think that's everything I had. That's everything I had. Um, one note: uh, Colonel Didka mentions the 8228th Mash, which was an actual Mash unit during the Korean War. So, he mentioned that. Um, but then, speaking of Colonel Ditka, guest star's recurring cast, Colonel Ditka was played by Stephen Girash. Kim Han was played by Lance Toyoshima. 
because they've only ever had like two actual Koreans play Koreans on MASH because apparently all Asians look the same to us <laughs> uh, Ed Vasgersian as Captain Bros John Lavacielli as the Young Turk Xander Berkeley as a Marine I don't remember the Marine but I trust MASH Wiki, Kelly Nakahara as Lieutenant Kelly Yamato, Mai He as Sun Ki, with uncredited appearance by Lori Bates. Production code for this episode was 1G01. What? That, that's okay. 1G01. Well, I believe you. Yeah, sure. That's that's a thing. The, the writer was Dennis Koenig. Director, Charles S. Dubin. Original air date, November 16th, 1981. Give him hell, Hawkeye. Also, worth mentioning, um, when Kim Han was talking to Margaret about um, you know, her being a hot tomato and a, I can't remember all the 50s slang that he used, but um, during that he said you know how to get a hold of me don't you and she said sure i do I, you just put your lips together and blow ha 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 i love movies too that is from uh to have and have not a 1944 film starring humphrey bogart and lauren bacall so i just wanted to make sure that that was actually around and it was. And it was. So that was so a... they did some research. Yay. Yeah, they actually, they got one right. So that was nice. Um, that was Give Them Hell, Hawkeye. All right. Uh, season 10, episode 6, Wheelers and Dealers. So, uh, I would say that there are really, uh, well, kind of two or three co-plots here. Um... One is the the vehicle for all of them is a poker game going on in the swamp. Uh, the main one I would say is BJ, which we'll get to in a second. Klinger is clearing off his desk at the beginning of the episode so that he can be ready for the poker game. The mail comes in and he gets a packet of laundry inventory forms, which he promised Potter. You get on top of the same day that they were delivered. So he now has to do that and hopefully get it done in time to get to the poker game. In the same batch of mail, Colonel Potter gets a notification from i about a speeding ticket he got in Tokyo going 25 and a 15. And uh, Klinger, <laughs> feeling rather uh, chip on shoulder, entitled kind of, uh, vindicated maybe points out to Potter that he had to do his thing right away and Potter should follow the same example and not just sign himself off of this detail of getting remedial driver's ed from Zale <laughs> or Rizzo pardon me oh, Rizzo. It is Rizzo it is Rizzo not Igor Rizzo not Zale Rizzo so Potter does and uh, Klinger ends up helping him study because Potter flunked the written exam, the f only person to ever do so at the four double sevenths. Meantime, uh, in the mail, BJ gets a letter from Peg, 
where she had to get a job. He's not happy about this. She had to get a job to help pay the second mortgage that uh, got him through school. He's not happy about it. He decides to try and gamble his way into money to help peg out at home because that's what he always does is he gets in a funk whenever there's... Um, Cash up is doing very well, though. He must have made one heck of a sum, I think. Uh, he, uh, one guy said he was down 150, but yeah. that... We don't know if that was all to BJ or not. That's true. But, um, yeah, BJ, to show the state of BJ's mind as they're playing poker, uh, it's BJ and the, the, the sergeant who delivered the mail, and they're in this betting war on one hand. And um, when it's just them, they throw away the raise limit, and BJ ends up raising like thirty-five dollars plus his, his wedding, wedding ring. ring. That was pretty gutsy, I thought. Oh yeah, no, he that that's again. It explains the state of mind that BJ was in, because he was holding, if I remember right, a six, eight, nine, ten ace, non-suited. So he nothing. had yeah, he had ace high, in five-card stud. Or five-card draw, not stud a card draw so he was betting nothing and he managed to bluff his way into the pot thankfully and um that's the tone for the whole episode after the poker game breaks up he goes to the oak club and these three guys that had just gotten their driver's license from the class that potter was in are now fresh off the boat in the O Club, and uh, BJ starts hustling them for nickels at pinball. And he just. He ends up busting the machine, he hits it so hard. And uh, Margaret tells him off. She's like, the wor if the worst thing that your pretty little wife has to worry about is getting a job, then she's pretty lucky. The only reason you have so much to lose, or that you, mm. it, it was something to the effect of uh, the only reason you have so much to lose is because you, you have, have so much. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of where the episode ends. Uh, Klinger doesn't get his poker game. Potter finishes road finishes his road test, and BJ apologizes to everybody else. For his behavior and shares his rum cookies from Peg. So that's really the episode in a nutshell. Um, the the one thing that I did catch from Potter when the mail comes in, he mentions um, that he's mailing in a payment for the Dumont television. Mm -hmm. Just two more, and it's ours. And I looked it up, and yeah, the, you, you can find Dumont TVs on eBay. Uh, ads, and then here's an actual set. It doesn't look that special. It's not a console or anything. It's just a normal... TV. Yeah. You know, I, it was in, like, a case, but it wasn't one of the, like... Like you were saying before we started recording, like, the 8-foot... Right. There are big, huge, like, buffet yeah. tables that were yeah. TVs and stereos. And yeah, my grandpa had one that would play um, records on one side, and I think it was a radio and maybe even an 8-track player on the other. I'm not sure. I don't think ours had an 8-track. Yeah. Ours had a but radio, or, uh, 
where you could draft the record. So that was so yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're like, like I was telling you, I, I think that my grandpa's, it would finish one record and then just like drop draft it. the next one. Yeah. And yeah, play it. It was cool. But, um, so yeah, this is not that. From what I'm seeing on eBay, it's just a, a simple thing. little, yeah. Not a long console. And he was just a little a worried. I sure hope TV doesn't go out by the time I get home because otherwise <laughs> I'm making all these payments for not. You know, so it's like, uh, no, I think you're safe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Winchester kind of said, oh, this TV, it's just a fad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I can see where that As would be. we're doing be a show thing. on television. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah talked about bj talked about clear i mean there's there's well, a lot of plot I, I like how um colonel potter had to do his final driver's test oh, and gosh. he almost hit clinger yeah and he's like you passed you didn't hit him mm-hmm. <laughs> but of course no matter what happened he was going to pass i have no idea where it went i'll find it so yeah still <laughs> still digging the thinking putty out of the carpet but yeah you know he um Rizzo keeps trying to sweet talk his way out of doing this with Potter, and Potter just horse chips. You treat me like everyone else. Well, he, they know he can't treat him like everyone else. Duh. Mm-hmm. At one point, at one point, Potter, you know, threatens him. You will treat me like everyone else, Sergeant, or should I say, Corporal? Corporal. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. I'll treat you just like everyone else, sir. I like the ending, though. Hmm. The ending, you know, Colonel Potter's like, pack with this stupid jeeps. Off he rides on Sophie into the wind. Yeah, he's going to the 8063rd for a lecture, and he, yeah. And he rode Sophie. Yeah. I thought that was great. Um, That's all I have. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... Good episode, but... Pretty simple plot. Considering how overstacked the first one seemed Mm -hmm. to be... Yeah. This one was pretty simple. I do have one more line that I love because uh, when Potter was trying to get Klinger to do all this uh, work, he was quoting Grandma Mavis. Mm. And then uh, when Klinger throws that back in his face, then Potter goes, You know, Grandma Mavis had a saying for everything. No wonder Grandpa stomped <laughs> on his hearing aid. <laughs> Which I thought was cute. Anything else about... No. no. Okay. It was good. Um, Yeah, I... I, Do you want to explore that point about Peg and a job and at this point at all? Because that... That's what threw BJ off on a tizzy is because Mm -hmm. he found out that his wife had to get a job and it was at a local restaurant where they both had eaten and he didn't want his friends friends to see her having to work and I'll tell you Margaret's face when she found out that's what he was upset about was like seriously look around you mister if your privileged little wife Mm -hmm. you're upset because she has to get a job and I think it took that yeah to make him realize because I'll tell you there's there's so many shows Lou Grant divorced his wife over the fact that she got a job Mm. Um, you know it was just something women had to fight to be able to work Mm. I Um, just yeah but 
I, I'm not. I'm not saying that he had a right to be angry. Not at all. I agree with Margaret. You know, mm -hmm. if that's if that <laughs> if your wife getting a job is the worst thing, because this goes back to um, to when she said that he she needed to clean out the gutters, mm -hmm. and he got in a tizzy about that. Well, he's thinking for this job thing. Aaron has to go without a father. Now she has to go without a mother. Mm. But I'm sure they have family in the area. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, that's what family does for one another. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just to put another face on this from a, a possible another face. If they took a second mortgage out on the house to put him through school, I think... His hope was that he would then be able to... Right. He would be a doctor. Then and, and, and provide. Right. And he's... I, I kind of like to think, and this is just me, I kind of like to think that for BJ it wasn't so much that Peg was getting a job, and so that was outside of her job definition as a woman, so much as... He wasn't providing. Right. I, I he think was so, too, because he had said that a couple times. Yeah, that he, I'm failing her. Yes. You know, so I, I just want to throw that out there. But, you know, I think there's something in what you're saying, too, because Margaret, I think, came at it from that, that side of things. But I really, I think for BJ, as a character, it would have been more, I'm failing my duty. She sacrificed and allowed us to take out a second mortgage on the house so and I could go I, to school. Right, and now I should be able to provide, mm -hmm. and and she shouldn't have to suffer because of it. Right. She should still be able to stay home with Aaron right. and have that life. Yeah. It is hard. When you have children, you don't want them going off to every Tom, Dick, and Harry because you know they're not going to be treated the same. Mm-hmm. You just know it. I've yeah. I've seen mm -hmm. it. I've sent my kids off. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and I which feel is, guilty to this day over it. So. Which is why Laura and I are grateful that you and Jody can help us during the day. I mean, that's yeah, huge. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, but yeah, it it yeah. I, I think it's interesting though. Still, just to see Margaret's reaction. Right. She had a great reaction actually. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. too hard hitting. But enough to make him mm. think, oh, crap. <laughs> and she, you know, I, I, they seem good enough friends at that time. Or right. she just comes right out and says, you know, don't try and make your concerns, your um, your worries bigger than anyone else. Else's. We all have them. Mm -hmm. If yours are bigger to you, like we had already mentioned his line, that's because you have more. Right. And if you consider what Margaret had yeah. and what Hawkeye doesn't have, I get what she's saying. Exactly, I do too. Yeah, you know, you think about the those three she, in that scene. He has this wife and this beautiful child. Mm -hmm. And the wife loves him the way he loves her, the way mm -hmm. I understand it. Yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. you've never seen a greater love than with Hawk or BJ and his wife. Yeah, well, Which, I think so. You know, strays a little, but... No. Yeah, I agree. Okay. okay. Um, guest cool. stars recurring cast. We had G.W. Bailey reprising his role as Luther Rizzo. Jeff Max Jeff Maxwell was Igor Straminsky in the O Club. We had Eileen Saki as Rosie. Anthony 
Chernoda as Sergeant Verbanic, Tony Becker as Private Brown, Chris Peterson as the second recruit. I'm assuming those three were the three that came into yeah. the O Club. Uh, Sherry Saba as Nurse as Lieutenant Sherry, and then uncredited appearances. Seriously? No. Sophie the horse. Sophie yeah. the horse. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> they, on the Mash Wiki, they have uncredited appearance by Sophie. Sophie the horse. Nationality race equine. <laughs> Spouse not defined. Relatives, children, none mentioned. <laughs> Height fourteen point four hands. <laughs> Hair color, chestnut with white blaze. Eye color, brown. Too funny. Oh my. Wait. Wait, unknown. Yeah, you don't tell what a woman weighs, ever. That's, that's true. <laughs> um, oh lord, okay, that's great. What's the, code? the production code is 1G02. Writer, Thad Mumford and Dan Wilcox. Director, Charles S. Dubin. Original air date, November 23rd, 1981. Wheelers and Dealers. Dealers. All right. I think I hear um, Ryan getting up, so we will go through the, the closing comments quickly. If you are a new listener, thank you for tuning in. You can check out all of our backlog either on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. Just search for Whiskey and Mash. Otherwise, head over to our website, narclaninc.com. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. Go to the podcast link. Go to the Whiskey and Mash page. There on the page are MP3s of all of our back episodes, including this one. If you're listening to this one, this one is out there too. You can either stream them right off the website or download them to your MP3 playing device. You can also find us over on Stitcher Radio. Again, just search for Whiskey and Mash. Also over there on the webpage, you can find links. Oh, you're getting a phone call. You can find links. One, to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash whiskeyandmash. Go over there, like our page, follow us. I always post the synopsis of the latest episode that is posted over there on the Facebook page so you can get notified through Facebook that way whenever we release a new episode. Otherwise, another link on that page on the narclaninc.com slash whiskeyandmash page is an email link. You can email us directly here at the podcast. I think it's just whiskeyandmash at narclinic.com, but it's out there. You can just click it and it will open up your email client. Woo! There you that go. That was fast and great. <laughs> Thank you. I, I tried to impressed. enunciate so I didn't mumble. Thank you for tuning in. We See appreciate it. If you, if you think, I'll put in this last plug that I always do, if you think this podcast is worth your support, the best way for you to support us is to share it with a friend, a family member, a coworker. Help us grow our listener base. That's all we really ask. Thank you so much. I almost made it through without stumbling. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am Chris. And I am Gloria. And don't forget to email us and let us know what you think and what changes you'd like to see made. If any. If or just, any. Or just tell us that we're perfect. Oh, but in the meantime, cool. we will see you <laughs> next oh. week. I'm holding my glass Sorry. out like I'm you're doodling. I know. <laughs> Have a good week, everyone. Bye-bye. I was trying to snuffle up again. Very cute. You did a very good job. Gold okay, star. You need to find your cap to your yes, face. I do. It's around here somewhere. Okay. <laughs> no. How are we going to move all this to get our new windows? Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. Bye, everyone.